Many of you may have noticed an annoying grinding sound going on and on and on in the background. And yes, the impeachment hearings are still underway. According to CBS News, the latest testimony was a bombshell, although according to ABC, it was really more of a bombshell. Though on NBC, they felt it was either a bombshell or possibly the shell of a bomb. The bombshell testimony that was a bombshell came from Gordon Sundland, who used to do something or other before he did something else. Sondland's explosive bombshell was that he kind of assumed everyone thought that it was pretty much suspected that President Donald Trump wanted Ukraine to investigate corruption that might have involved Joe Biden and that someone heard a lot of people were saying that Rudy Giuliani told the guy that the president wanted a quid pro quo, which is Latin for something. The amazing bombshell continued when Sondland testified that he called the president on the phone and asked him if he really did want a quid pro quo from Ukraine, and Trump said no. So that was a very explosive bombshell that exploded bombshell-like during the hearings, which were bombshellian in the extreme. There were several casualties when the bombshell exploded, including the idea that Trump was asking Ukraine for a quid pro quo. Also, the idea Trump committed an impeachable offense was killed. Likewise, the notion that these hearings were anything besides a corrupt waste of the public's time and money. The bombshell also destroyed that weirdly effeminate smirk on the face of Adam Schiff, which is probably just as well. According to Nora O'Donnell at CBS, the bombshell was so explosive it was devastating, while according to NBC anchorman Lester Holt, it was so devastating it was explosive, while according to ABC anchorman George Stephanopoulos, anything was better than finding out who killed the Jeffrey Epstein story, not to mention Jeffrey Epstein. The impeachment hearings will continue with more devastating bombshells that won't mean anything either. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. Well, yesterday I was talking about the fact that political correctness and cancel culture, silencing speech that challenges the diktats of the left, demonizing that speech as racist or sexist or phobic or whatever actually has the effect of inciting the very sorts of behaviors and feelings you're supposed to be trying to suppress. You tell men they can't object to bad policy because objecting is racist. Eventually, they're going to say, well, to hell with it. The policy is bad, so I'll be racist then. But while censorship is destructive, especially the corrupt and dishonest censorship of the left, it's nowhere near as bad as mangling words into nonsense in order to achieve your goals. If the people in this country are divided, they're going to have to be able to reason together. And in order for them to reason together, words have to have agreed upon meanings. And those meanings can't suddenly change on grounds of political expediency or suddenly be deemed hateful when they're clearly intended to be nothing of the kind. You can't tell me men menstruate because the very definition of the word man precludes menstruation. You can't accuse me of being against immigration if it's illegal immigration I'm against. You make it impossible to have the conversation we need to have. I'm in favor of gay people having legally sanctioned committed relationships, but if I call it marriage, I'll just be lying to you. Dave Rubin always calls it gay marriage, which I think is accurate and civilized and makes it possible for us to discuss the subject without being unkind or dishonest or misunderstood. The left knows that language is a weapon. Control what a person can say, and you may not control his thoughts, but you will chain his thoughts up inside him. What's more, if calling a black person black is respectful one day and a racist slur the next, you're giving yourself the power to make people afraid to speak. The left is great at this. 
And if we're going to fight back, we're going to have to use real strategy. And yes, I know I'm a broken record on this subject, but courage. If we want to talk to one another, if we want to communicate, if we want to reason together, we need to insist on the meanings of words. We need to call things what they are and let the cancel mob do what the mob will do. And I will be calling things what they are today in a big sense. But first, let us talk about First Leaf, which, by the way, is really a terrific service. I'm a wine drinker. I love wine. And uh, First uh, First Leaf has this uh, test they give you, this uh, survey they give you when you go on their website. And it asks you all these different questions, a lot of which have nothing to do with wine. But they establish what kind of taste you have. And then they start to know what kind of wine they should send you. Uh, I took the, the wine quiz. It assessed my wine drinking preferences. And then they sent me. I got two shipments. The first one was very good. And then they ask you questions so they can narrow down your taste. And the second shipment was even better. So First Leaf uh, creates an introductory six-pack of wine. It's all for just $29.95. That's a six-pack of wine for $29.95. And this is good stuff. It's not uh, cheap stuff. And these are wines that normally go for at least 20 uh, bucks a piece. Uh, then again, like I said, every month they will send you another one and they narrow down your taste so they get closer and closer to what you like. You can sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer, six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping, just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Andrew. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping at try, T-R-Y, firstleaf.com slash Andrew. You know, in Tucker Carlson's book, uh, The Ship of Fools, there's a line, I'm quoting this from memory, but the line is something like, happy countries don't elect Donald Trump president. And of course, that's true. I mean, obviously, you know, things were working well. You wouldn't need an outsider to come in and change things. Things would just be going right along. The president should be basically a sort of top flight CEO. He should be an executive who does his job, who stays out of the way, who keeps the country running and executes the laws that are made by the, legis uh, the legislature, takes care of foreign policy, one of his bigger jobs, because that's jo a job where he gets is in charge and has to make the decisions. But you don't need Abe Lincoln all the time, right? You only need Abe Lincoln when you need Abe Lincoln. You only need George Washington when you need George Washington. Normally, you just need a guy to be in there. But something in order for somebody to elect Donald Trump, this outsized character with big flaws and big merits, for someone to say, we need this guy in there, something has to be wrong. You have to feel, well, the machinery is not quite going, going right. And I think we know what is going wrong. See, I think most people, look, most people are going about their business and they're not paying as much attention to politics. They just know when their life is going right or wrong, right? They know when things are, are working and when things aren't working. So they're not going to necessarily know exactly why they think something is wrong. But I think we can see now through what's happening, we can see that slowly our constitutional form of government, which is supposed to give the power to you, the power to live your life the way you want to live it, to spend your money the way you want to spend it, to make the choice has slowly, the power has slowly been moving from you over the last century to Washington, D.C. And, you know, there's a reason for that. It's not because Bernie Sanders is, is insane or Elizabeth Warren is evil. That's not why that's happening. It's because that's a snowball running downhill. That's the way the world works, right? Most countries, most governments work exactly that way. They just, it's the power is all up in the top. The elites run the place and the little people do what they're told. And this country, we built a machine that's supposed to stop that from happening. And they've been taking the Constitution apart for a century, saying it's outdated and it's not working. And that that is the problem that we're facing. And it's gotten worse and worse. And people have had this sense that we're out of control. And now we see, now that we see that we are. And it has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. They've 
They've both been letting it happen. The Republicans talk about it, but they don't stop it. George W. Bush had us in all these wars, had us, uh, you know, spending more and more money. Obama, even worse. Uh, Donald Trump isn't stopping the spending, but at least he's cutting back on the regulations. He's cutting back on the government control over businesses and things like this in the system. And so when they put Donald Trump in there and he starts to say, no, I'm going to do what I've been talking about for 40 years. I mean, you can say he's right or wrong, but he's had the same feelings about the way the government works for 40 years. It's as if a foreign body had entered the system and everything, these antibodies want to take off and just destroy it. And they can't do anything else. They can't do anything else because this is the comfort zone, that snowball running downhill where DC gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until boom, it lands on you and you got nothing. You got no power. You got no money. You got no life of your own. It's all about what the government wants you to do. And oh, they're helping you. And oh, it's so nice. And you're in chains. And that's the way, that's the way it's been going. It, it's obviously been going that way. I mean, we can see it now as the deep state comes out of their, uh, out of their holes and their crannies trying to stop this guy. So they have this Democrat debate. And here's the thing. It's all about Donald Trump. They're not even attacking each other anymore. They're not even really discussing anything. They're just talking about Donald Trump. And here is the give. Here's the tell, right? The tell is the moderators. All the moderators are stone left wingers. Rachel Maddow, Andrea Mitchell, Ashley Parkey, Parker, Kristen Welker. Everybody's saying, oh, it's all female. It's all female. Screw the all-female. It's all left-wingers. Grabian puts out a supercut of the questions they're asking. Listen to the way all of them are based on left-wing assumptions. How central should the president's conduct uncovered by this impeachment inquiry be to any Democratic nominee's campaign for president? How central would it be to yours? Mr. Ray recently told Congress, quote, the majority of the domestic terrorism cases that we've investigated are motivated by white supremacist violence. Congresswoman Gabbard, to you, as president, would you direct the federal government to do something about this problem that it is not currently doing? Vice President Biden, you've suggested in your campaign that if you defeat President Trump, Republicans will start working with Democrats again. But right now, Republicans in Congress, including some of whom you've worked with for decades, are demanding investigations not only of you, but also of your son. The Me Too movement has forced a cultural reckoning around the issue of sexual violence and harassment against women in America. Are there specific actions that you would take early in your administration to address this problem? The Republican Party never stopped fighting President Obama in his eight years in office. So what would you do that President Obama didn't do to change that? So, so all, all I'm saying, I know it's a Democrat debate. I know they're talking to Democrat voters because it's, it's the primaries, but still they're just enwrapped in this bubble. You don't exist. You don't exist in that world. Your opinions don't exist. The other point of view doesn't exist. It just isn't there. It doesn't even occur to them to bring in a Brett Baer to ask the tough questions. So they're going to be completely unprepared if they have to uh, answer those questions in the general election. But it's just that that's the world they're living in because that's the system they've been in. Donald Trump is just an invader. He is an invader that their entire, all the uh, antibodies, all the white blood cells are rushing out to destroy this invader, even though he may be the health, the only healthy cell in the body. You know, just on a tangent here for a minute, there was a, uh, a report out from the United Nations that said that condemned uh, President Trump over his inhuman border policy, his inhuman border policy of having borders. That's his inhuman border policy. And the UN report said the problem in the U.S. is they have the world's highest rate of children in detention centers, these children in cages uh, that we keep hearing about. So the, all the, the press went out with this, the AP, several major uh 
news outlets went out with the story and then suddenly the story vanished. It just vanished. Where did it go? What, what happened to all the children in cages? Well, the fact was the UN numbers that they were using to say we had the highest rate of children in detention centers came from 2015, ruh when President Obama was in office. So instead of saying, oh, we made a mistake, it was actually President Obama who put all those children in cages, the story just vanishes. So it's not just the candidates who are living in that little bubble. It's anybody who takes the mainstream news seriously. So anyway, let's, let's talk about a few of these debate cuts. I don't really want to do the debate too much because I thought it was incredibly boring. But listen to what Biden is saying. It's all about who can win. It's all about getting rid of the invader, Donald Trump. This is cut 10. Uh, You have to ask yourself up here, who is most likely to be able to win the nomination in the first place, to win the presidency in the first place? And secondly, who is most likely to increase the number of people who are Democrats in the House and in the Senate? <laughs> so, so by the way, who is that? Who's Joe Biden, right? Ukraine's top prosecutor announced Wednesday that the country is expanding its probe into the founder of Burisma, whose whereabouts are currently unknown to authorities. They're now going to charge him with suspected embezzlement of uh, of state funds and um, a trio of Ukrainian lawmakers released a document at a separate news con- con- uh, conference uh, accusing, um, yeah, uh, accusing Zelensky of suspected of using his position as Ukraine's minister of ecology and natural resources to embezzle the equivalent of 33 million. So this Ukrainian corruption is a big thing. And this is Burisma, remember, where uh, Hunter Biden was working. And by the way, Hunter Biden denied having sex with a woman uh, in Arkansas, uh, but a DNA test has now established with scientific certainty that Hunter Biden is the father of her child. So this is the Biden family. That's the guy who's telling us he's going to beat Donald Trump. But it's all about Trump, right? Because Trump is the only person who's in there. He's a, a pebble in their shoe of this, <laughs> to mix a metaphor, he is something in impeding this snowball rolling downhill of more and more power uh, accruing to Washington. Let's take a look at uh, Liz Warren on her, uh, on her plans. These are the plans she's got. This is cut number two. Let me just tell you what we can do with that two cent wealth tax. Two cents on the top one-tenth of one percent in this country, and we can provide universal child care for every baby in this country aged zero to five. That is transformative. We can provide universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old in America. We can stop exploiting the women, largely black and brown women, who do this work, and we can raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in America. We can put 800 billion new federal dollars into all of our public schools. We can make college tuition free for every kid. We can put $50 billion into historically black colleges and universities, and we can cancel student loan debt for 95% of the folks who've got it. Two cent wealth tax, and we can invest in an entire generation. Elizabeth. (laughs) Elizabeth Warren is the snowball. She is the snowball. If I can just take more money away from you and put it in the government, because why should you have it when I can put it in the government? And by the way, this whole thing about two cents on the dollar is nonsense. She's talking about a 2% wealth tax. But remember, the wealth tax, because it never brings out enough money, there are 600 billionaires. 
There's 600 billionaires in the country. So it's never going to get the money to do all these things she wants to do. That wealth tax always, always, always expands and eventually comes down and claims the middle class because the billionaire doesn't have to pay the taxes. He can just move. But the middle class are always the people who get stuck with the bill and they vanish under socialism. They get smaller and smaller and smaller until basically there's only the slaves and the snowball. That's it. And that's what that is what's been happening. And that's what Donald Trump represents. Forget about whether you agree with him. Forget about his flaws. Forget about all of that stuff. What he represents is, wait, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I'll, I'll show you exactly what I mean by that in just a couple of seconds. First, or a couple of minutes. First, let me talk about rockauto.com. I always like saying, just like the sound of rockauto.com. It sounds like something important, and it is something important. If you need us car parts for your car. There's no reason to go to a car auto parts salesman and they don't know any more than you do. They're looking at their computers. You can look at your computer at rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts customers online, <coughs> pardon me, for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control models, nodules and brake parts to tail lamps. I, I'm trying to sound like I know what that is, but I just don't. Motor oil, they got even new carpet. And it's whether you have a classic car that you love or you're just a car that you're driving around every day, you can go to rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate and you can quickly see all the parts available. Plus, you got reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask the question, but of course you have to. <laughs> of course you have to ask the question because otherwise you will not know how to spell Clavin. I just want to play one more cut before moving on to something I think is more interesting. Uh, the um, this Kamala Harris telling us that she can beat, she's the fighter, she can beat Donald Trump. I believe we have to have the ability to not only have a nominee who can go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump, and I have taken on Jeff Session, I have taken on Bill Barr, I have taken on Brett Kavanaugh. I know I have the ability to do that. <laughs> so have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhale. I did, inhale. I did, I did inhale. <laughs> So, so she didn't nail because Pete Sessions, Bill Barr and Kavanaugh were all confirmed. So she took them on and she lost. And so that's not really a very, very good argument. The whole thing is these guys don't matter because the impeachment story is the real story. The impeachment story is what it's all about. It's all about getting rid of this thing that somehow crept in to this system of getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you getting smaller and smaller and smaller, this evil Trump thing that is now in the way. And, you know, I want to, I got to play one thing and then I want to read you what I think is a really important letter that hasn't gotten a lot of press. Um, Yesterday, we played this, the fact, remember, Gordon Sundland was talking and uh, the former ambassador to, to Ukraine and everybody was saying it's a bombshell. It's a bombshell because he felt he sort of suspected he felt that Giuliani was asking for a quid pro quo and all this stuff. And then he, they ever said, did you ever uh, it was Adam Schiff who asked the question. He shouldn't have opened his big mouth. He asked the question, did you ever talk to Trump himself? He said, yeah, I called him and I said, did you want a quid pro quo? And he said, no, just tell Zelensky president of Ukraine to do the right thing. So Trump just loved this. I wish I could play this whole cut, but it just goes on and on. I can't. He goes out immediately to the press corps with his his notes and he says, are the cameras running? Are you covering this? This is what happened. And he goes through the whole conversation. Here's just part of that. He asked me the question, what do you want? I keep hearing all these things. What do you want? 
He finally gets me. I don't know him very well. I have not spoken to him much. This is not a man I know well. Seems like a nice guy, though. But I don't know him well. He was with other candidates. He actually supported other candidates. Not me. Came in late. But here's my response. Now, if you weren't fake news, you'd cover it properly. I say to the ambassador in response, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky, President Zelensky, to do the right thing. So here's my answer. I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Then he says, this is the final word from the president of the United States. I want nothing. <laughs> and he says, thank you very much, everybody. Have a good day. I want nothing. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was Trump at his best. They buried the story. And this is what I mean. They bury the story because the story, you know, they are the snowball, right? They don't want that thing in the way of the snowball. They're just going to get that thing out of the way so the snowball can keep running downhill. But, you know, <laughs> everybody hears it. They think they think we only hear what they tell us. But, of course, we all know it. We're passing this stuff around on Twitter. The Democrats don't know it. And the Democrat candidates don't know it, and Adam Schiff may not know it, but the fact is Trump's, during the, the uh, impeachment hearings, uh, Trump's approval rating has been going up. The uh, support for impeachment has been going down because we can see with our own eyes, okay? So here is a really interesting, and I was, I was uh, directed to this by uh, Dan Henninger, the guy who writes the column in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I think he's, I, I can't remember, he's the second guy in charge of the op-ed page or something like this. But anyway, he writes very good columns, and he wrote a column about Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Now, Ron Johnson is a famously direct and honest guy. He's a famously a guy who just says what he means, and, and uh, sometimes to his detriment, he just comes out and says what he means. But he's a patriotic, honest uh, American, right? And he has been getting smeared by the press. And, and uh, Henninger writes about this. He says, uh, media reports identified Mr. Johnson as part of the Trump strategy of smearing witnesses who are appearing before Adam Schiff, right? So the, the thing, why were they saying this? Well, Ron Johnson wrote a letter to uh, Jim Jordan and Devin Nunu or Nunes or Nina, whatever his name is. Uh, I know it drives people crazy when I do that. It's Devin, Devin Nunes. I respect the guy like crazy. I just like making fun of his name. They asked Johnson, who is on several committees that have to do with Ukraine, and he is a big supporter of Ukraine, wants to protect it from Putin, wants to make sure that the U.S. is supporting the new government in there in their efforts to uh, combat corruption and make sure they are com combating corruption. So they asked him, do you have any information? Jordan and Nunes asked him, do you have any information? And he wrote them this very, very long letter, which I can't read, but you can find it online uh, where he answers it. And he says, you know, I've been uh, I, I'm involved in all these committees uh, that that. Um, I'm involved with all these committees that study Ukraine. And because of that, uh, he took a trip to Ukraine and he was um, <clears throat> and he was there at a. Um, and first of all, what he's talking, this is what he talks about. He's talking about uh, Vindman and he's talking about Vindman's quotes. And this is what they're saying he's smearing him for. Right. But he, he starts out by saying that. Vindman talks about whether the NSC uh, shares President Trump's viewpoint or whether it's just Vindman expressing his view. He says, I believe, Johnson says, I believe that a significant number of bureaucrats and staff members within the executive branch have never accepted President Trump as legitimate and resent his unorthodox style and his intrusion onto their turf.
Now, the thing you have to know about this is Johnson disagrees with Trump. Johnson thinks Trump should be more proactive in Ukraine, right? But he's saying that these guys react, he says, by leaking to the press and participating in the ongoing efforts to sabotage Trump's policies. He says, quotes from the transcript of Vindman's opening remarks and his deposition reinforced this point and deserve to be highlighted. Vindman testified that an alternative narrative pushed by the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was, quote, inconsistent with the consensus views of the relevant federal agencies and was undermining the consensus policy. Vindman's testimony, together with other witnesses' use of similar terms, such as our policy, stated policy, and longstanding policy, lend further credence to the point I'm making. Whether you agree with President Trump or not, it should be acknowledged that the Constitution vests the power of conducting foreign policy with the duly elected president. So this is the smear Johnson is making, saying that Vindman is not operating within the Constitution. President Trump is whether you agree with him him or not. And there were concerns when this new election, when this new government came in that was supposed to take over uh, Ukraine and get rid of the corruption. There was concerns that the corruption that's endemic might infect this administration, too. So Johnson, along with uh, other people, Rick Perry and Volcker and Sondland, they all went over uh, for a, a meeting with President Trump in the Oval Office to talk about this, right? And he says, our Oval, this is from the letter. He says, our Oval Office meeting took place on May 23rd. And, and Johnson is there to get Trump to support the new government in the Ukraine in their presumably corruption-fighting uh, policies. He says, the four members of the delegation who had been to Ukraine sat lined up in front of President Trump's desk. He says, because we were all directly facing the president, I don't know who else was in attendance sitting or standing behind us. I can't speak for the others, but I was very surprised by President Trump's reactions to our reports and requests. They're requesting support in, for the government of Ukraine. Trump expressed strong reservations about supporting Ukraine. He made it crystal clear that he viewed Ukraine as a thoroughly corrupt country, both generally and specifically regarding rumored meddling in the 2016 election. This is what he thinks has happened with Ukraine. And they did meddle. They did. I mean, there, there are real reports that they helped the Democrats. Uh, they helped Hillary Clinton. Volker summed up this attitude in his testimony by quoting the president as saying they are all corrupt. They are all terrible people. I don't want to spend any time with that. Uh, Johnson says, I do not recall President Trump ever explicitly mentioning the names Burisma or Biden, but it was obvious he was aware of rumors that corrupt actors in Ukraine might have played a part in helping create the false Russia collusion narrative. Of the four-person delegation, I was the only one who did not work for the president. He's an elected senator, right? So he says, I was in a better position to push back on the president's viewpoint and attempt to persuade him to change it. And it was obvious, he says, that his viewpoint and reservations were strongly held and that he would have a significant, we would have a significant sales job ahead of us, getting him to change our mind. He later called President Trump to to tell him uh, about his upcoming trip to Ukraine and try to persuade him to authorize him to tell Zelensky that the hold would be lifted on military aid. This is what this whole impeachment thing is about, right? And this is what Trump said. He said, uh, The president was not prepared to lift the hold. He was consistent in the reasons he cited. He reminded me how thoroughly corrupt Ukraine was and again conveyed his frustration that Europe doesn't do its fair share of providing military aid. He specifically cited the sort of conversation he would have with Angela Merkel, chancellor of Germany, to paraphrase President Trump. This is what Merkel says. He says, Ron, I talked to Angela and asked her, why don't you fund these things? And she tells me, because we know 
you will. And then Trump says to Johnson, we're schmucks, Ron. We're schmucks, okay? This is what we're seeing. This is what this whole story is about. Donald Trump comes in and he has a point of view that he has had for a long time. This is why I disagree with Ben and Jeremy on the backstage shows. When they say he has no plan and he just has talking points in front of him, he's been saying the same thing. We're schmucks. They're taking advantage of us for 20, 30 years. I mean, there are videos of him going back all that time where he talks about his sense that we're being cheated. That we're being cheated by NATO, that we're che- being treated by, cheated by our allies. And of course he's right. Of course he's right. And the question is, do we agree that that's worth uh, upending the consensus of the interagencies? But obviously, this is what the people wanted. They, they don't know whether about Ukraine. I mean, most of us don't even think about Ukraine in our day, day-to-day life. They wanted somebody to shake up the consensus. They know this machine, this snowball is rolling downhill, and they know that everybody involved is making a living off it. They know everybody involved is getting power out of it. These guys like Vindman think they're in charge of foreign policy. They think, what, you know, what, that, what, that, who is this guy, the pre- president, what is it, president? The president, who is this guy trying to set foreign policy? We have an interagency consensus for all of. Who is this guy saying it? So what would you do? What would you do if you found yourself in a position where the president was doing things you didn't like? And I'll answer that question in just a minute. But first, I got to welcome a new sponsor, Root Insurance. You know, everybody has to have car insurance. You have to have car insurance. And that means that everybody is in the same pool and the insurance companies have to make sure they have enough money to pay out when the accident comes. So you get penalized. If you're a good driver, you get penalized by the bad drivers, right? Because the bad drivers cause more of the accidents, but all that money still has to be paid out. So everybody pays. And Bad drivers make it tough on the good drivers, right? Not with root insurance. Root insurance, by removing bad drivers from the equation, root saved good good drivers up to 52%. They saved them up to 52% this year. In 2019, root saved good drivers uh, up to 52%. And because of that, probably, they were the fastest growing direct insurance company in the U.S., Root is the f- world's first mobile-first car insurance company. They base their rates primarily on how you drive, not who you are. All you have to do is download the Root insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. Give Root a try. Go to the App Store and download the Root insurance app. Sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. Root reserves the right to refuse the quote to any individual a premium to refuse I'm sorry, Root reserves the right to refuse to quote any individual a premium rate for the insurance advertised herein. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form 1 not available in all states. This product is not available in California, of course, because here we drive like we're out of our minds. What would you do if you didn't like what the president was doing in foreign policy. If you were in the other party, what on earth could you do about that? Well, here's one suggestion. You could go to the people and say, Trump is not doing the right thing in foreign policy. Vote for me. Vote for me. That would be a thing that you would do. It's called having an election in a democratic country where you have a system put in place that has worked for over 200 years, close to 300 years. That is what you would do. Why the hysteria? Why the claims that this is corruption when it's obviously not corruption? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, talking about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden in this Burisma uh, organization where now the guy is uh, charged with embezzlement and has vanished. 
This is the guy that Hunter was working for. This is a company Hunter was working for. Obviously, there was corruption to investigate there. So why the panic? Why the hysteria? Why has the business of government stopped short? It is because, it is because this natural thing was happening to the government, this natural thing that all of our founding documents and systems were built to stop. It's a natural thing to age and grow old. You go to a doctor to stop it. You go to the gym to stop it. You work out, you stay healthy to stop that natural progress. The natural progress of government is to accrue power unto itself and take it away from you. Money unto itself and take it away from you. All Remember all the stories from Europe, Robin Hood, where he stole from the rich and gave to the poor? The reason the rich were rich was because they were taxing the poor. The reason the rich were rich was because they were Elizabeth Warren. They were Bernie Sanders. Those guys are not, those guys are the people who tax you. Those are the guys that Robin Hood stole from and gave the money they took back to the people. But it's not just the money. The money represents power. And it's also, we also need a Robin Hood to take that power away from them and give it back to the people. Listen, Donald Trump has got a truly um, isolationist view of the world. I mean, it's, it's his instinct to be isolationist. You don't have to agree with that. And, you know, it doesn't make you a cock. It doesn't make you a betrayer. It doesn't make you an evildoer to not agree with Donald Trump's policy. What makes you a betrayer is to not agree that the system is in place to oppose Donald Trump in a democratic way if you want to. That is what they're betraying. They're betraying the system that was built to make you uh, free because it has built up into this massive monster of a deep state where guys like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, and we have to call him Lieutenant Colonel, as he reminded us during the hearings, we must call him Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, thinks that he's in charge. This little guy thinks he's in charge. This nobody who is not elected to anything thinks that he's in charge and thinks the president is getting in his way. Why? Because he is because he is. And that's what we're watching. That's what the debates were about. That's what the whole system, the whole system is going, what's happening? What's happening here? Why is this guy getting in the way of our snowball? You know, if you haven't been listening to my incredible fantasy podcast, Another Kingdom, then you are just an evildoer and you need to go to dailywire.com and subscribe right now to catch up. This is a terrific story. It really is. And Knowles is doing such a great job. I hate to say it. I hope he's not listening, but he's doing such a wonderful job in bringing this story to life and it will change your life definitely for the better. On Monday, November 25th, this Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, Knowles and I will be sitting down together to discuss the final season. And we'll also take subscriber questions live from the fans. This live event will be free for everyone to watch on Facebook and YouTube, but guess what? Only subscribers will be able to ask the questions at dailywire.com. Plus, subscribers exclusively can watch the entirety of the series, or you can listen free to the newest seasons on Apple Podcasts. Go check it out. Do not miss the Another Kingdom Live discussion happening Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You definitely will would like to listen to it. Uh, you know, one of the things, oh, you know, I, I just want to mention one more time. If you go on Amazon now, they finally linked it up. Uh, my new pamphlet, uh, The Art of Making Sense, which is just my speeches and writings from this year, which I thought really come together to make a, a specific argument. Uh, it's a great stocking stuffer if you're a conservative or if you just want to annoy a liberal relative. Uh, go on Amazon. You can look it up, The Art of Making Sense. And it's just a few of my speeches and uh, and one of my larger articles uh, from this year put together. But I think uh, I've been asked a lot to put those out, so I did. Uh, and I priced it to move. I priced it cheap. Um, this Epstein case, which I have to keep going back to, because this is the thing. This is the power structure that is in place. This is what happens when power 
expands. It becomes corrupt, right? All power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And this is, this is the, uh, it's the underside, it's the underbelly of this thing that they're trying to protect. This thing that they not only want to protect, but they want to expand. Get out of the way, Donald Trump, and let us continue to tax your money and take your money and build these utopian systems that have never worked anywhere. Europe is dying. Europe is dead. The great culture of Europe is gone. It's gone. Why? Because they opted for socialism and it's gone down the drain. It, it just is the death of a country. It is the death of every country. And that's what they're bringing here. And you can see it in this Epstein case. Prince Andrew, we were talking about this horrible interview. Uh, he announced that he was stepping down after this interview that he gave, uh, trying to get it wheedle, wheedle out of his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, he announced he was stepping down from his duties uh, because he wanted to spend more time with his under age girls. <laughs> that would have been great. If, you know how they always say, I'm stepping down because I want to spend more time with my family. It would have been great if Prince Andrew just came out and stepping down because I want to commit more statutory rape and the, my charitable work is getting in the way. So he puts out a statement saying, it's become clear to me over the last few days that the circumstances relating to my former association with Jeffrey Epstein has become a major disruption to my family's work and the valuable work going on in many organizations and charities that I'm proud to support. But, but news reports from the UK say he didn't step down. Queen Elizabeth kicked him out. Um, this is a, uh, a source talking to um, to the UK press. It was a devastating moment for both of them. His reputation is in tatters. It's in like, unlikely he will ever perform royal duties again. He is disgraced. The 93-year-old queen made a decision to fire her favorite son after heavy pressure, pressure from Prince Charles. Meanwhile, a story from The Sun, which is not the most uh, reliable paper in the UK, but there's a story from, from The Sun saying Jeffrey Epstein's guests were secretly filmed in every bedroom and toilet of his New York City home, this bathroom of his New York City home. One of his accusers has claimed, Maria Farmer alleges she was abused by the disgraced pedo when she was a 26-year-old aspiring model in 1996. And she says that there's videos of all this. If that is true, it's no wonder uh, the guy was hanged. They're having hearings about this in Congress. They brought the um, the head of the Bureau of Prisons, Kathleen Sawyer. She's the woman who's been brought in to clear this stuff up, right? They, in, after, after the death, she was brought in to investigate it. <clears throat> Congress is not happy with this. So he's talking to Senator John Kennedy. Uh, here's his quote. I love this. How can I put this? Christmas ornaments, drywall, and Jerry Epstein. Name three things that don't hang themselves. It, that's what the American people think. That's what the American people think. And they deserve some answers. And I know that you're not in charge of these investigations. Yes, sir. But you talk to the people who are. And, and I need you to take a very respectful message today. Um... Tell the American people what happened. And, and don't, don't rush it so that they don't do a thorough investigation. But you and I both know they can make this a, a top priority and get it done more quickly than they normally would. I, I love this guy. This guy is just a walking soundbite. Uh, drywall, Christmas lights, and Jeffrey Epstein. These are three things that, that don't hang themselves. Uh, ben Sass also went after her. Really, you know, just trying to put some pressure, some congressional pressure on these people to get some of the truth out. 
you got a whole bunch of women who were raped by this guy. This is a sex trafficking ring in the United States. This guy had evidence. He's got co-conspirators, and there are victims out there who want to know where the evidence has gone. Can you tell us a little bit more about the different investigations? I understand there's at least one that you're directed by Maine Justice not to speak about, but there are at least three investigations. Can you unpack them, please? There are, there are two investigations that are ongoing. One is the FBI's investigation, and the other is the Inspector General's investigation. Both inside BOP, but there's a third one outside, which is why Epstein was in your institution to begin with. Yeah, and that, sir, is completely out of my... I get uh, that. I, I, there's, there's a lot the here where DOJ are, has failed. There's a lot here that BOP has failed. Let's just be clear so we have a level set for everybody in this room, you're in your job because of this crisis, right? You come here today and you say you can't testify about it, but the reason you're director now is because the last guy got fired, right? Senator, I can't tell you what I don't know. I have received no information from the FBI investigation yet, nor no information from the inspector general. So, you know, this is very frustrating. And, you know, best case scenario, and it was just massive, massive incompetence, and Jeffrey Epstein did kill himself. I mean, that's best-case scenario. Uh, that still speaks to the fact that we're living in a machine that is out of control. We're living in a group of people, a group of elites, including Bill Clinton, including all the people who showed up at Jeffrey Epstein's party and Prince Andrew. We're living in a, a, in a machine of elites who have lost their responsibility to us. And this is still America. This is still the United States of America. It is not supposed to be like other countries. It's not supposed to be like Europe. And God knows, Bernie, it's not supposed to be like the Soviet Union. You know, I mean, it is supposed to be a place where you go about your business and every now and again, the government shows up and builds a road. I mean, that's basically what's supposed to be going on here. And the government has gotten way, way out of control. It's been happening for 100 years. And this is the flexion point. This is the point where people said, no, this is enough. You're, you're screwing up. Your taxes have destroyed our industry. Your corporate taxes have chased all the corporations into other countries, and we're starving out here. We're dying. We're killing ourselves with OxyContin in the richest country in the world, in the most beautiful free country in the world. We're opting for suicide because you've taken away everything. You've taken away our religion. You've taken away our businesses. You've taken away our, our rights and our freedoms and our pride in our country. You've yelled at us and called us racist. You've done all these things. We're ready to die rather than live in the country that you made. Stop. Here's Donald Trump. I hope he breaks the whole thing. That's basically what's happening. And they're trying to stop it. And instead, what would it have taken? What would it have taken for them to have started? I started by quoting Tucker Carlson, a happy country doesn't elect Donald Trump president. What would it have taken for them to have sat down together and said, why did they do this? Why did they send Donald Trump here? We must be doing something wrong. Something must be going wrong. What would it have taken? It would have taken them to let go of their grasp on their growing power. And they ain't going to do it unless we make them. A final reflection, Kanye West. <laughs> this, is, this is a story that made me laugh. I, you know, Kanye West have, has had a conversion, uh, and it, which is wonderful, and he's put out this album, um, Jesus is King, also wonderful. I can't judge the music because I just hate that kind of music, but, you know, it's it, the lyrics were good, I thought. A lot of the lyrics were good. And he went and gave a concert, a rather beautiful concert, I thought, at Joel Osteen's church. Now, Osteen is a figure of fun uh, because he kind of has this prosperity gospel. Uh, he gives good advice. You know, he actually tells people, you know, clean up, don't go outside in your pajamas, mow your lawn, uh, get a job, you know, take take uh, um, take control of your own life, take responsibility for your own life. Those, those parts of it are good. But he also kind of has this suggestion, and I've read a couple of his books and I've listened to a lot of his sermons, is a couple of suggestions uh, that... that 
where he basically says, if things go wrong, it's your fault. You're not tapping in to God's grace. And if you tap into God's grace by behaving well, uh, God will send that grace to you and nothing can ever go wrong. But of course, we know that's not true. Bad things happen to good people. Uh, terrible tragedies happen to people who are not to blame. Uh, Jesus said this himself, you know, the tower fell on the people who were praying. Uh, tower of Siloam fell on the people who were play- praying. Bad things happen to good people. So, it's corrupting. And yet, at this end, and the Babylon Bee is always making fun of it. Uh, he, they had a wonderful headline that when Kanye West came and preached Jesus, Joel Osteen was curious to find out who Jesus was. But I want to say this. When I was going through my conversion experience, when I was moving from uh, being a th- <coughs> believing in God to believing in Christianity, I found Joel Osteen very comforting and encouraging. I didn't know who he was. I wasn't really studying his theology. I was just listening to the way he talked about the love of God. And he really was good at conveying God's love for people and how enormous it was and how and how God wasn't your father who wanted certain things from you or who did certain things from you. He, God was something else entirely. And that really helped me because one of the things you have to do when you get to know God is you have to get rid of the authority figures in your life who are masks of God and get to the real God beyond that and and you do that through Jesus Christ. And that is one of the things you have to do. And Joel Osteen really helped me. And then I got addicted kind of, I loved his encouraging message. And then I started to realize, no, this message is corrupt because bad things do happen. And we have to understand God in that context. And I stopped listening to Osteen's sermons. And it was kind of hard. It was a little hard because I really did enjoy the, um, I really did enjoy the encouragement. So my point is only this. It's easy to make fun of Kanye West. It's easy to make fun of Joel Osteen. But God comes to you where he comes to you. He finds you where where you need him to find you. He doesn't find you where, he, he doesn't wait for you. He doesn't wait for you to find him. He will come and get you where you need to be. So if people are hearing a message that brings them closer to Jesus, yeah, people are gonna get lost. If people go off into that prosperity gospel, they're gonna get lost. They're not gonna find their way home. But, but, there are going to be people who hear that message and who need to hear that message and who need to get out of their pajamas and who need to mow their lawn. And suddenly things are going to go better. And suddenly they're going to start to say, oh, I get it. I get it. There is a relationship between me and, and Jesus. And I want more of it. And I want to know more. And they're going to move on. So if Kanye and Joel Osteen are gateway drugs to the great drug of knowing God, that's a good thing. And maybe we should be a little bit more careful of just not unleashing attacks on them. It's one thing to wisely criticize. It's another thing to unleash attacks on people who could open the path to the kingdom of heaven. Tomorrow, another kingdom. The new episode comes out for subscribers. After that, the Clavenless weekend, you're doomed. But survivors gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. See, that's the problem with this damn nation. All blacks gotta be Democrats. Man, we ain't made it off the plantation. Who you choose is your political party. You represent Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant, 
is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2019. Another day, another impeachment witness affirms that President Trump committed no quid pro quo with Ukraine. Of course, you wouldn't know that from the front pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post. We will parse the spin and lies. And then speaking of spin and lies, the Democrats return to the stage for this month's presidential primary debate. A high school girl cries after her district forces her to undress in front of boys. And finally, the mailbag. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. 